title of my message today is this, A Tale of a Hard Heart. The Tale of a Hard Heart. Now, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable or weird about this, but, but let me just share with you just something that, that, that has held true now. I've been preaching for 30 years now. That when I'm ministering to people live, this doesn't necessarily apply to the digital church, but it does apply to the people in the room, that, that I can feel sometimes, well, most of the time, I can feel where people's hearts are. This is not even to this church. On the, the occasions that I, I speak somewhere else or something like that, like, like I can get a read pretty fast. And, and I can tell, I mean, part of this is experience, and, but this is the Holy Spirit also. I can tell, like, are, are people ready? Are, are they hungry to receive? Are they open to the, receive? Do they want to receive? Or I can feel the kind of closed-offness that says, okay, what does this guy have to say? Or, you know, what's going to happen here today? Or, or whatever the case may be. And so I, I tell you this, that, that your posture towards receiving makes an impact on what the Lord does. Now, this is, this is easy for me to talk to this um, congregation because you guys are great. I mean, you guys are great. So, I mean, it, it's, it's always like, you know, there's always people who are ready to receive. But I, I want you to keep that in mind because you're going to be in other contexts. You may be in other churches in the future for, other, for whatever reason, uh, hopefully just to move, not, not because other reasons. But you're, you're going to be in these, these environments where, like, your posture in your heart greatly affects how things um, are presented. Because sometimes, like, you know, when I feel like people are, like, real closed off, I've got to work harder to connect with people, and I've got to pull them in, and I've got to win them over so I can give them the word of the Lord or whatever the case is. And, and this is just how that, that works. And here's the reason why, is that all of us, me first, have great potential to have hard hearts. And the scripture talks about hard-heartedness or having a hard heart quite a bit. And so the tale of a hard heart is this, is that every human being has had one and you've had one and I've had one. And so we, we want to continually say, Lord, I want to be pliable. I want to be soft. I want to receive. I want to I want to bring my whole relationship to you into this situation, therefore, that I can get everything you have for me. So we've been talking a lot about Jesus and his ministry. And let's look at Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. You know, Jesus talked to religious people a lot. A lot of times you think, well, Jesus just came for the lost. Well, he came for the lost, but he also, he, he went to synagogues in every city that he went to. And so, it, you know, the lost people were right there among the religious, among God's people. It says, Jesus entered the synagogue again. That was his custom. And a man there who had a shriveled hand, um, there was a man there who had a shriveled hand. In order to accuse him, they were watching him closely. By the way, that's no fun. If you've ever been in leadership and people are like, you know, watching you closely, they're like, I'm waiting for him to make a mistake. I'm waiting for him to say the wrong thing. You know, that's not fun. And you can feel that too. You can feel that when, when, when you have no margin for error. And you guys have been in those situations before too. Well, Jesus was in this situation. No margin of error because they are looking, they're looking for him to make a mistake. 
They're watching him closely. Of course, this is not a mistake to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. So that was just dumb because healing should happen anytime Jesus wants it to happen. Uh, Verse 3, he told the man with the shriveled hand, stand before us. Then he said to them, and here's a question. Jesus asked really good questions. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they were silent. Now here's here's a key verse for our teaching today, verse 5. After looking around at them with anger, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. These were not, let me just keep the scripture up for a second. This is just parenthetical here. These are not lost people. These are people chosen of God. And Jesus was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. Going on to the scripture, and he told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and his hand was restored. Immediately, the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against them how they might kill him. Wow, man, these religious people were more concerned about their rules than they were about someone who was physically ill and sick. And so because they didn't want work on the Sabbath, they, they said Jesus shouldn't heal on the Sabbath. I called that stupid earlier. I mean, it's absurd, isn't it? That came from the heart, by the way. You know, usually I don't use that word because I know that's a bad word for those of you with children, you know, who may be in in our our service today. But it was ludicrous to say, like, Jesus, you can heal, you know, the Sabbath was Saturday. So you could heal Sunday through Friday. But Saturday, Jesus, let let that person be in torment another day. What a sign of hard-heartedness. A hard heart cares more about rules than about people. A hard heart cares more about procedure than the the procedure that's supposed to help people. So, you know, Jesus is interesting because, you know, I think Jesus would have been a horrible seminary student. (laughs) You know, seminary is is good, and you guys know I'm pro-education and all that. But, you know, seminary teaches these technical rules exegetical rules that are helpful. We teach exegesis here through Veritas and all that's good and all that's helpful. But I'll tell you who else I don't really enjoy preaching to is to seminary graduates because they're so judgmental. They're like, that's not in context the right way. I'll tell you the New Testament teacher, the New Testament writers, they were never in context according to, uh, according to seminary rules. If you, you don't believe me, start, start looking at those New Testament scriptures and seeing the context of them. But anyway, here's why Jesus wouldn't have been a great uh, seminary student is because he was a storyteller. He wasn't a, he was he didn't go, you know, with all these technical kind of analysis of the Torah. He told stories and he told stories that sometimes people didn't understand. They're like, why are you telling stories? And he basically said, I'm telling stories uh, because you have a hard heart. And so my first, my first point today, I've already made it, but let me just give organization to it. Hard hearts exist among God's people. You kind of heard me already say this. Hard hearts are, are not necessarily for the unredeemed. I suppose they are. They have hard hearts too. But when we realize that we're chosen and we're adopted and we're in God's family, of course, the Jewish people, that was by birthright. That was because they were Abraham's physical descendants. Most of us, if you're not Jewish here, uh, in, in, your, in, in your bloodline, we, we have been grafted in. We've been adopted. We're, we're like in. We're, we're in the family of God. 
because Jesus chose for us to do that. And so just like those people that were accusing Jesus and looking for Jesus to do something wrong and didn't want Jesus to heal on the Sabbath, they had exposure to the word. They were at the synagogue. These were Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night Christians. We used to have those services. Uh, These were people who did the one-year Bible, uh, who were faithful, and they had hard hearts. that's, That's alarming, isn't it? This ability to become sophisticated Christians and miss the message. And we need to keep hearing teachings like this, and we need to keep reading scriptures like this to, to remind us of our potential to be that person. So in Matthew chapter 13, let's go there. And these were the seminary students. They said, the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Like, hey, Jesus, get to the Get to the deep stuff. <laughs> Jesus, why, why are you telling these stories, you know? Why are you telling these stories, Jesus? Get to the deep stuff. And he answered them, verse 11. Um, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. Verse 12. For the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why, this is, Jesus answers his own question here, or answers the question directly. This is why I speak to them in parables. And now he begins to think about Isaiah chapter 6, because Jesus was a man of the word. I mean, he inspired the word as God, but he knew the word. He was faithful to the synagogue. He was faithful to the reading of, the public reading of scripture. And he began to think of Isaiah here, and and he said, um, they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Verse 14, indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Now, this is out of Isaiah chapter 6. Right after Isaiah said, I saw the Lord, he was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled his temple. That's a great scripture. But in Isaiah chapter 6, uh, around verse 9, you know, God says, okay, now that you get the revelation, this is, this is what's going to be like when you, when you preach to the people and teach to them. You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. This is a paraphrase of Isaiah 6. For the people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears, for they hear. So people would not listen. And it's been that way with God's people all the, way, all the way from the beginning, with Isaiah and with Jesus, and it's that way here in 2021. Is, is words may be coming into our ears, but we're not listening to the word of the Lord. If we're not careful, we're not listening to the word of the Lord. You see, a hardness of heart is attached to the ears. And here's my second point today. Hard hearts do not listen. They do not listen. Hard hearts will not listen. And we see this in, in life in general, that, that when we have hard hearts towards something, we don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear any good news about it. And I got to say this, guys, if, in case you don't know me, I'm from Texas. I've still lived most of my life in Texas. Even though we're going to cross the threshold pretty soon here, where it'll be, it will be more years in Tennessee than Texas. So, so that's coming. Should we throw a party on that day? I don't know. But uh, yeah, like no one cares. But um, because I'm a Texan, a born Texan, I have a hard heart towards the Oklahoma Sooners. I do. 
I don't want to hear any good news about the Oklahoma Sooners. I don't want to hear about them winning. I don't want to hear about them doing philanthropy in, in Oklahoma City or anything like that. I don't want to hear any good news. So Trey Young, he plays for the Atlanta Hawks. You know, they're, they're making this surprising run in the NBA. Amazing player, amazing player. You know, one of my sons was like, Dad, isn't Trey Young great? I'm like, no, he's from Oklahoma. He played for Oklahoma. He's an Oklahoma Sooner. But then I realized he's actually from Dallas, but played in Oklahoma. So I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. But my point is, like, we have hard hearts. I have a hard heart towards that sports programs. I don't want anything good to come from it. I don't want to hear about their new recruits. I don't want to hear about their new stadiums. Uh, my heart is hard. A lot of us have a hard, hard heart towards the newscast. And we're like, I'm not going to believe anything they say. I've got to, and I'm going to investigate because, you know, we, we feel like we, you know, we haven't got right information. Aren't the weather people? Let's, let's you know, I mean, they're all... They're, I, I don't believe them. They say it's going to rain all week. We make plans and it's perfectly sunny, you know. I mean, they're getting better, but they're still, you know, they still I have a hard heart towards them. Especially because they put so much pressure on me. Because if it is in the 70s, they're like telling you, get outside today. You better get outside today. I'm like, what if I feel like sitting on the couch all day? I don't want to start my day with pressure from the weather lady, man. Come on. So we, we have hard hearts Things in the world that we just have hard hearts towards and so we don't want to receive from them. And so you can sit in this room and, and have a hard heart. Now, through Pharaoh, uh, the Pharaoh that resisted Moses' request, we find out about a hard heart. Now, interestingly enough, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, but that's a whole other sermon. We can still learn through Pharaoh's hard heart some characteristics of a hard heart. And so I think I've already told you, yeah, I see it on the screen, hard hearts do not listen. Exodus chapter 7, verse 13. So we can learn a little bit about a hard heart and our hard heart. However, Pharaoh's heart was hard and he did not listen to them. You see there, there's a connection between a hard heart and our ears. When we have a hard heart, we will not hear, we will not listen. He, he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. And then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Now we see this in our own lives and we see this in the lives of people who have rejected scripture, have rejected the word of the Lord, have re rejected godly counsel, have rejected wisdom. Uh, Paul writes about this to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4 verse, verse 18 and 19. Uh, they are darkened in their understanding. This was, this was us before Jesus excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardening, hardness of their hearts. They become callous and they gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with the desire for more and more. So for the last 70 years since the sexual revolution, uh, we have progressively thrown off any restraints any, anything that says behavior is wrong. And we're like, if it feels good, we should be able to do it. Just that's a societal thought process. And our, heart, our hearts are hard towards sexual ethics. Our hearts are hard towards sexual restraints. And so what happens when your heart is hard towards that? You, you give yourself to promiscuity. 
this is not, and I know that we're a little thrown off about stuff that's happened the last 70 years, but this goes, this is as old as the hills. This goes all the way back to the beginning of humanity. When, when all of the sexual immorality that were part of the Canaanites, that it drew God's people, it was part of the Canaanites, meaning all of the people in the promised land, all the different tribes, uh, they would use sexual immorality as part of their worship. They would even blend sexual immorality with religion. And so we think that we're, we're experiencing something new. No, we're not experiencing something new. It might be new for some of us. We are experiencing the, the full throttle ramification of sin. Where people say, I don't, I'm not going to take any restraints. I'm not, not going to take any. We don't want any stigma. You know, stigma, we think a stigma is a bad thing. You know, a stigma is actually a good thing. There, there's lots of stigmas. We're like, I don't want to be associated with that. So even though I'm maybe curious or maybe drawn to that or might be interested, I'm not going to go that route. That, that keeps us, keeps us and keeps our society safe and where we need to be. So sexual sin, if you know the scripture, sexual sin is a hardness of the heart. It really is. A lot of that. It's like, hey, God's going to forgive me anyway. He's going to forgive me anyway. So, so my, my heart is hard towards the, the ramifications now because I know I'm under grace. And that's just not of the Lord. And that, and that shouldn't be our desire. And I, I'm saying this as a warning, you know, a warning to me, first of all, but a warning to you too. Don't let your heart, let, let us not let our heart be hardened to what God has said is sin. Because what God has said is sin, you know, we, if we believe in the gospel and believe in the scripture, we, we must not harden our heart towards what the Lord has said. And it will go good for us. And it will go, it will go good for people we care about when we follow the Lord's uh, leading. Now, I had a friend of mine pray, uh, call, call me this morning and he prayed for me. He said, Aaron, I, I prayed for you this morning and I prayed for your sermon and um, he said, the Lord, the Lord has prepared a sermon for you. He said, but there's a sermon within the sermon. And he said, so when the left turn comes, be ready. Guys, that was my left turn just then. <laughs> it wasn't in the notes, but, it, but, but I believe the Lord wanted us to hear that. Some of you guys know my friend, Charles Galden. He was the uh, interim pastor here right before I got hired here. And we're still very, very close friends. So Charles um, met with... A guy named John Maxwell. I mean, John Maxwell, all of his pastors love him. He's like the leadership guru. And there was a group of pastors at John Maxwell's house. And like, so everybody's trying to, you know how that goes, you know, listen to the host and get to the host and all that. And there was a group of them all sitting around. Well, Maxwell went and, and brought downstairs. And I can't remember. I tried to text Charles this morning, but he didn't text me back. Um, I guess we're not that close of friends, are we? <laughs> you know. But, but it was either you know, John Wesley's Bible or John Wesley's papers. I, I don't, uh, may, it may have been part of his famous journal. And so Maxwell passed, started passing this around the room. Well, all of these pastors were like, oh, this is nice, and this is nice, this is nice. And, and um, Galden, knowing history, and you know, he, he looked at it, and he just kind of held it for a little bit. And he absorbed the moment, and, and he said his eyes kind of moistened. And, um, and then after his moment passed, he passed it down the line. Well, Maxwell, the famous pastor, noticed that about Charles. And he said, 
later on, he said, Charles, tell me what was happening when you saw the Wesley papers or Wesley Bible. And so, and so that gave him some favor in that moment. I thought about that story coming to this next point. Hard hearts, here's number three, do not recognize the uniqueness of the Lord. Here it was that these other pastors are so impressed they're in John Maxwell's living room that they didn't see the uniqueness of what Maxwell was offering, which was a chance to see this incredible artifact of the famous John Wesley who's been gone for 300 years. Hard hearts don't recognize the uniqueness of the Lord. And, and that's where we're moving to in, in the United States of America is where Jesus, the gospel is not really special. It's not preferred. I'm going to talk about that a little bit next week on a July 4th Sunday. I, ho- I hope a couple of you guys come next week. I'll be here. I'm preaching next week. Um, I think it was last Sunday I said, there's a December 26th is coming up. That's going to be a tough Sunday. Do y'all remember when I said that? Well, I forgot July 4th is like here, you know, so, so we'll, we'll have a cool Sunday next July 4th. And we're going to talk, we're going to talk about some of this more, but we're in a, a time of, of where we're not getting cultural preferences and God's okay with that. We, he can work through that. He can work through that. But the danger is, is when you and I don't see the gospel as special, when we don't see Christianity as special, that we see it just one of many options. And we see, it, we see religion as good. Religion's good. And so, I, you know, I'm a Christian. No, we can't. We cannot. We cannot put Christianity on the same level of any other religion. Because the claims of Jesus makes it an exclusive religion. Yes, we're in an exclusive religion that believes there's a singular way to salvation. And that singular way is Jesus. And that will become a, a more and more a, a message that, that people are hostile to. They will. So look what happened to, to Moses. Is, you know, he came and he did a miracle in front of Pharaoh. And then... Exodus chapter 7, verse 22 says it this way, but the magicians of Egypt did the same thing by their occult practices. So Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So let me just give you more context. Moses performed a miracle by the power of the Lord and then by sorcery or occult practices or or the secret arts is another version says the magicians of Egypt did the same thing. And so there became in Pharaoh, who is a prototype of a hard heart, this attitude that said, hey, this religion's good too, and this religion's effective too, and, you know, it's just they're all on the same plane. It's all on the same plane. Now, Moses didn't fall into that temptation. He knew, he knew that this was a... a, a, a a work of the enemy. He, he knew that God was supreme and, and part of that loyalty to the Torah, I mean, that, that loyalty to the ways of the Lord was, was so, so ingrained in the Jewish heart. That stubbornness was a beautiful thing because even though they were 400 years in Egypt, they kept following Yahweh. You know, they, they kept following him. And even when miracles were matched, you know, there, there was a loyalty to the name of God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's the t- same type of loyalty that we, we, we want to cultivate. And that's what weekly worship does. 
I mean, right, we, we hear messages like this, we, we experience worship together, we come to the table, um, we, we were involved in all the different Bible studies and stuff to deepen our loyalty to the Lord, deepen our loyalty to the way of the Lord. Here's, here's what I'm concerned about, and I just, I just want to warn you so you don't harden your heart. If Jesus isn't special to you, if Jesus isn't unique to you, if Jesus isn't um, so, someone that, that delights your heart and there's no comparison, man, I just want to encourage you, get back into Scripture. Get back in reading the Scripture. I love the fact that you're intellectually curious. That's a, that's a great, that's a gift from the Lord that we have so much in life to discover. We, 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 there's so much for us to discover because all wisdom comes from the Lord. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. That's why the study of anthropology and sociology and the, even the, the study of other religions is helpful and good. And, and there's, there's so much we can, we can discover uh, about humanity that's amazing, but it's incomparable to the Lord. It's incomparable to the Lord. He is supreme. He is first. And so uh, I read a lot of different things during the week. I wish I had more time to read. I could spend my whole life reading and never live. You know that? I mean, so every reading goal that I've established, I never reach because it's just, you know, it's just hard, you know, sometimes. I was at the church, uh, you know, Thursday and Friday, like at at 6 a.m., you know, because of a couple different meetings. And so, you know, I didn't quite get up at 4 that morning. I got up at 5 and didn't have time. And so I had to make that up later. All I'm saying is this, is, is, is back, to, back to my point here. Reading the scripture is different than every other kind of reading. It's different than current events. And, and it's different from literature. And both are good, but one is transformational. Uh, they're, they're like a spiritual dynamic. It's a spiritual transformation. And so letting, letting the Lord feed your spirit then you'll be, be able to keep seeing the uniqueness of the Lord. And we want to see your uniqueness, God, that you're uncomparable. I, I just, I want this to get into your spirit today, that our God is incomparable. He's unique. And so our attitude and approach towards him affects that and changes that. Here's the last thing I want to say. Hard hearts don't receive from the Lord. Hard hearts don't receive from the Lord. That's, that's why I don't want you to have a hard heart. And that's why I don't want to have a hard heart. So our, our posture before the Lord is so important. So at the end of Paul's life, and Paul's so important because he's the apostle to the Gentiles. So again, you know, there may be some Jewish people in here, but statistically we know here in Sumner County, it's quite possible this is all, all of us are Gentiles. And we're all Gentiles. And Paul was the apostle who brought us the gospel. He brought, he brought the God used Paul to bring us the gospel. He's at the end of his life in Acts 28. And I want you to see this before we go to the Lord's table. Acts 28 says, after, verse 23, after arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging. And here it is. This is encouragement for those of us who are senior citizens or we can see retirement on the horizon or whatever the case is. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophet. So we see a man at the end of his life who was relational. He was available. He was, um, you know, he was intelligent. Uh, looking back, put it back in verse 23 real quick. He, he, was, 
he was intelligent, that he was able to speak about the kingdom of God. You can see it on the screen. From Moses to the prophets, he knew the scripture. He knew the word. He knew how to explain it. He was available to people. And this is the Apostle Paul. This is the guy who influenced Christianity more than anyone probably but, but Jesus himself. He and Peter, they were right there at the, you know, at the cusp of all the things we've received. Now look at verse 24. Some were persuaded by what he said and others did not believe. And that's what's happening in this room right now. I, I hope we get 100% of soft hearts, but I know that I've had thousands of people come in this room and, and sit in this room and, and hear speakers speak. And some were persuaded and some didn't believe. I mean, Jesus, according to the parable of, of the seeds, when Danny Parmalee preached here back in, um, in May, I believe, May 16th, and I watched it online, that sermon was so helpful because I realized Jesus himself said, I'm only 25% successful. <laughs> Jesus himself. I thought, hey, that helps me. If Jesus is only 25% uh, successful, I think I'm doing okay. We sow the seed, sow the seed, and about 25% of the people receive. If, if you want to apply that parable uh, literally like that. So verse 25, disagreeing among themselves, they begin to leave after Paul made one statement. So they liked Paul until he started stepping on their toes a little bit. He said this, the Holy Spirit was right. And saying through your ancestors, and it's through Isaiah, through the prophet Isaiah. And he quotes the same scripture that Jesus paraphrased at the beginning of the sermon in, in Matthew 13. Go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous, their ears hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise... They might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Boy, that's a powerful scripture, isn't it? So as your pastor, this is the whole point of my sermon. I want to say this. Don't have a hard heart. Don't have a hard heart. Don't come into this room and have a hard heart. Ask the Holy Spirit, soften my heart. Keep my heart pure. A lot of us want to manage our image by continuing to go to church, but our heart may be far from the Lord. A lot of us just, we're physically here, but we're not here. That's a temptation that we have. Hey, let's not be like the people God warned Isaiah about. Let's not be like the people who criticized Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Criticized Jesus, was offended by Jesus. Let's not be like the people who were religious and they spent all day with the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles, and they're like, ah, Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. And Paul said, hey, that's okay. Even Isaiah was warned, the people you speak to have a hard heart because if they would listen and if they would see and if they would receive guess what would happen I'd heal them so um, I give this message today as an encouragement because I don't see you guys as that I really don't 
especially on the last Sunday of June and Sunday. <laughs> this is not the hard-hearted people. <laughs> this is a, you know, this is the core of the core people here. So, so, but, but I warn you through this teaching, and I ask you to pray for people you know. There, there are people, God's people right now are hard-hearted all over the city, not interested in church anymore. And, and you know what people do is people criticize the church so they don't have to serve the church anymore. <laughs> people blame some other pastor they don't even know because there's some kind of scandal that they read about on the internet when they have a pastor who has a cell phone who I answer every text and phone call I get within 24 hours with the Lord's help. And you guys know where I live. I'm available for coffee. I'm available for lunch. So is Deborah. So is Chip, even though Chip does have another job during the week. But so after four o'clock, Chip's available. Um, and, and so those are excuses, man. They're excuses for a hard heart. They're excuses for a hard heart. They are, and, uh, but that's not you. That's the people who aren't here today. Hey, let, let's, let's, I'm a, let's begin to pray. Let's begin to pray. I invite those who are going to distribute communion. And if you're able to stand with an attitude of prayer, let's stand together. And we're so excited to just uh, go to the Lord's table today to receive from the Lord. If you want, if you want to receive from the Lord, um, we have portable communion that's available in the back. So the, the, it's communion that's in the pre-packaged um, the bread and cup are already together. You can take those individually. If you're interested in coming down front to take communion, which many people choose to do that, we're going to ask that you come in waves down the center aisle. Uh, Pastor Deborah will present the bread. And then you can go to the right. Chip has the individual cups. So if you want those, go to the right. If you want the intention, which is taking the bread and dipping it into the cup, Sarah's down here to your left. And then we're going to be available. I want to be available to pray with you guys. I'm going to be down here to your left. If you want special prayer, I'll be here to pray with you about a need that's in your life. So I'll be available for that. We're going to confess the triune God. We, we are a creedal church. We believe in the creeds of the church. And um, this prayer is a summary of scripture. It's a summary of historic Christianity. That, that's why we have a Bible. We have a Bible because we have creeds. You know, we didn't have a Bible for three or 400 years, but we've had it for a long time because we, we, have, an early, we, we have early church fathers that had determined these 27 books, these 66 books, but specifically the 27 books of the New Testament are the word of God. And so we, we, we are not looking for a new way, we are in the old way with a fresh anointing. <laughs> so let's now say this together, if, if you're willing to, the confession. Is that not in there today? It's in our heart. So I know what it is, but I don't know everyone else who does. I saw it for a second. Let's pray this now. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all of the world.